Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We are into season five of Breaking Bad. Here we're into season five, episode two, Madrigal. Um, an interesting episode. This one be lots to talk about with this one here. Starting to get into some of the nitty gritty of, of season five. Some some setup stuff. Some uh, some interesting kind of interrogation scenes in this one. I think it's uh, yeah an interesting one to talk through. So looking forward to to kind of getting into into all the fun of it. It uh, first premiered on um, July the twenty second. 2012, um, directed by Michelle McLaren, once again written by Vince Gilligan, so that's two in a row for him, so uh, that's, that's interesting to note. Um, my name is Nick, and um, there's no denying the popularity of our product. And my name is Ben, and we have Lipton's. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> Just thought I'd update you in case you get thirsty halfway through. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Ready to go. So, so, um, a pretty major building block, I think, in this episode. Um, whether you whether you like it or hate it, I think the um, the the kind of introduction to the the um, you know the, the named Madrigal in, in the title here is is you know something that's going to be quite important for the first half of the season. So, um, really good to kind of have the, this this piece of the story in play, whether or not you're uh, you're super excited about it. I think Madrigal's been talked a lot about, and so it's nice to actually kind of start to get into some of the the internal parts of it. And as we talked about, it, it's a very specific staff member of Madrigal that's going to be important to uh, to this season. Yeah, I mean, this is such a setup episode, and I, I mentioned last week about how I like the aspect of all of Gus's empire unraveling and all the pieces in play and everything that needs to get sorted out. I think it's cleverly done, but I mean, this is just such a, a, a setup kind of really moving forward with that. It, it reminds me a lot of those season three episodes where they're entertaining, but they're kind of a bit slow and it's sort of maybe not an episode that I'm ever going to rush out to just put on randomly. I mean, I'm not saying I dislike this episode. It's just, it's definitely very much set up and, I, I like those pieces. I kind of like some of those things that are into play, but then I just get Lydia and I just I just don't know what I think about Lydia. I just I don't I can't put my finger on it. Like I wanna like her, but then I wanna hate her and I just I just don't get her and I don't get my feelings around Lydia. She's the most confusing character to me in all in breaking bad on what I meant to think of her. And I don't know. So um I guess a lot of my opinions form around this storyline around Lydia. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I think um, I think it's always hard when you come in and, and you're a new character to the final whatever, you know, final movie in a series, final TV you know, season, um, final book even, you know, like I think it's quite hard because, you know, you've been living with all these other characters for so long and then suddenly there's this new person arrives and, and they don't necessarily feel like they fit straight away and they don't have a lot of time to, to really establish themselves. And so I think, um, I, I think for a lot of reasons she's a little bit, I wouldn't say short change, but I think you you don't get as much time, obviously, to to have an impression of her. So um, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be something to to talk about as we go through. But um, I'm I'm glad she's here, you know, because she's in a really important part of the season. So I think not somebody you want kind of coming in at like episode eight. You kind of wanted to be there kind of earlier on, I think. So um, yeah, but I think um, one thing that this episode's not good for is being on a diet because if you kind of watch this opening scene um, <laughs> oh. of um, here he Shula. Um, yeah. Who's um, one of the executives at um, at Madrigal, and he's got um, this this big bowl of kind of I think they're kind of like potato bites. I don't yeah. know. They might be uh, they might be kind of chicken. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. No, I, I mean to me they kind of look like more of a potato gem, like sort of. Yeah. Uh, I, I like they sort of do. Like I always look at them, and go, oh no, that's a nugget. But they, to me, they look more potatoey. They're more fluffy. So um, I'm thinking they're more of a potato gem. 
Right, yeah, and so yeah, he's obviously, so yeah, yeah. So he's obviously, you know, this this guy at the Mad, you know, he's he works at Madrigal and he's in the kind of, um, you know, the, the test kitchen, I guess, with all these kind of um, head scientists or whatever, and he's trying these dipping sauces. So we've got the five dipping sauces. So we've got the honey mustard, we've got the French, which is half half French, half <laughs> ranch, um, which is actually, you know, like um, Vince Gilligan actually wrote a, a sitcom or something or like a movie, which was basically about the man who invented French and. He realised oh. it was it was never going to go anywhere, so he decided to use it in this in this particular episode. Um, then we've got what was it? Cajun kick ass, um, mesquite barbecue, and ketchup, which is just ketchup. Um, and we kind of see, um, you know, like the scientists kind of you know getting him to try each of them, and he's kind of just like random, just like eyes are glazed over, you know, trying each of these ones, and then eventually just kind of like grabs the whole bowl and starts eating them. And, and then his assistant comes in and says that you know these investigators are here, and they're very insistent on talking with him. Um, um, and um, we kind of see him leave and kind of walk through this big lobby, and um, you know we see all the all the, um, the the customers, I guess, of of Madrigal, kind of their logos up on the on the wall, and we see them. This is where they're taking down Los Palos Hermanos has, has been removed, and you kind of see him stop and, and watch that happen, um, and then he kind of goes upstairs and he sees these kind of police officers, kind of like in his office, waiting to talk to him, um, and um, then we kind of follow him into the bathroom where he kind of grabs an AED kit on his way in and um, you know takes his shirt off and applies the AED things to his chest and then strips the wires and puts it in his mouth and and hits go and commits suicide and and you know all the while these police are kind of outside knocking on the door trying to get to him and it's it's very very strange and but but quite effective I think as well and I guess like I think we talked last episode about this being like such an unusual opener because it's um you know, it's not only not featuring any of the characters we know, it's in a completely different country and everything's in subtitles. And, you know, like it's just, it feels just so removed from what we know about Breaking Bad. And we, we, we don't get a lot of this at Breaking Bad, you know, so it, it does feel very, very out of place, but, but I enjoy it all the same. Yeah, I do too. I love this guy. I love this German executive bloke guy and his gems and his sauce. And I love this sort of crack team of scientists who were putting together yeah. sauce and oh less honey mustard and we're gonna put more corn starch in it or something along those lines and just oh it makes me so hungry this is so hard to be on keto watching this because i'm just like oh i miss my sauce like honey mesquite uh, was it barbecue smoky like that is like amazing sauce like oh so good and french like one thing I love about North America is their love of ranch, like sauce. It's amazing. Like it's so good. I love it. Like you go to a McDonald's or some sort of, you know, millions of fast food restaurants you've got in the States in particular and it's just, oh, all the all the myriad of And they're free, Nick, the glorious aspect of US and Canadian fast food. You don't have to pay extra for your sauces. It's free. You get them with your food. They've got a condiment bar in a McDonald's and you can pump as much as you want. You have to pay 50 cents for a tub of sweet and sour. Um, <laughs> the glory, the freedom of living in North America. But um, yeah, I just love the look on his face that's eating them. I, if I was this actor, I'd be like, mm, oh, no, I haven't gotten this scene. Next, let's try it again. <laughs> om, nom, nom. Oh, no, no, I have to do it again. Sorry, Vince. Sorry. Like, just not feeling it. Om, nom, nom, nom. Just, like, keep eating them. Uh, I mean, these are probably, like, stone cold. These are not, like, hot. They've been sitting there for hours on end. But um, I'm with you. Like, it's just it's an odd start, but it's, it's confronting. Like, watching this guy, like, swallow an AED and basically kill himself. I love just the sequence there where you see the Los Polis Hermanos logo getting removed and what have we got, like, Bergamatic and all these other kind of players? Yeah. Bergamatic, that sounds good. Random guy in a Segway in the lobby of this place? Like, is that a German thing that the Germans love riding yeah. in their offices on Segways? It feels quite German, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever ridden a Segway? I feel that's really douchey. No. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, uh, maybe if you worked at, like, Google in Silicon Valley or something, oh, I'm going to wear a Segway into my... Like, who rides a Segway in the office? Like, walk, Larry. Like, it's not that far to get from the lunchroom to your office. Like, come on. I've got. I, well, I, well, I still do have an e-scooter, but it's um, it's in being oh. fixed, and I haven't had it for like about a year now. So, but um, don't yeah, get I've, I've me never... started on New Zealand and your fucking e-scooters. As a journalist, <laughs> when they sort of come to the southern part, of this, there was like this obsession. Like when I worked for the esteemed ODT, I didn't get the obsession the ODT had with e-scooters in Dunedin every single day. Oh, what are e-scooters? And when they rode them down freaking the whatever, I can't remember oh, the name, yeah, the, yeah. the steepest street in the, the world. Yeah. 
got his title back. Um, and just, oh, God, what? why is New Zealand so obsessed with e-scooters? Anyway, um, but the point is I like the opening of this scene uh, and yes, our only good. German scene, right? Do we have yes, any other I German think so. Scene? I think so. Um, I, I can't remember any others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously this is just getting us into the, the kind of madrigal story, which is, oh, you know, we're going to get more. <laughs> well, let's move on and let's, let, instead of talking about um, dipping sauces, let's talk about <laughs> salt because um, we're going to, we're kind of going to get this, um, this scene of kind of Walt making a, basically like a phony vial of rice. And while we're hearing this kind of, you know, it's been overdubbed with this, this phone call that he's having with Jesse, who's really worried because he can't find the cigarette that had the rice in it. And, you know, like uh, we now know that it wasn't used to to poison Brock, and so he's really worried about it. he's dropped it somewhere. And you know, so we, and we watch kind of um, Walt make like a fake cigarette, you know, using using salt. So he's made up a little vial of of um, what appears to be rice, and but it's actually salt. And um, you know, he's basically then um, going to replace this, you know, for Jesse so that he doesn't get freaked out. And um, we see him take the real rice and, and put it in behind the kind of electrical socket in the bedroom, which is something we're going to come back to later in the season. So nice little setup there as well. Um, then kind of follow Walt going around and, and you know, he says he's going to help Jesse find it. And so we kind of see the two of them kind of taking the house together and, you know, like looking through the cushions. I'm not entirely sure why that's necessary, but uh, whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and and then we kind of get to the end of it. We see the kind of Roomba go past and um, and Walt suggests they look in there and, and Jesse says, oh, I've already looked in there and, and they go have another look and, and there we find it. And so obviously kind of Walt has, has planted it there. Um, so, so, yeah, it kind of just sets up that whole thing and then Jesse kind of kind of breaks down because he's, you know, he has um, accused Walt of, of of doing something that Walt has actually done. We we as the audience know he has actually done, um, and and yeah, kind of Walt plays the kind of the, the father figure very well on the scene. So yeah, I think just just kind of great kind of closure, I guess, of, of something that happened in the in the last season. Um, yeah, a good way to start the episode, I think. Great POV shots of the socket kind of uh, yeah. getting the the thing put over the top but um yeah it's it's sort of it's i mean it's a unique opening to an episode where he's kind of almost not used to some of this sort of stuff where it's like yeah kind of like a dub over voice when Walt's doing this thing with the salt does it annoy you that he just blows salt all over the carpet okay. <laughs> he needs a no, not really clean that up like there's a bit of a mess going on there at uh, the house but um yeah i love this sequence when they're they're searching everything and i love this song so it's stay on the outside by whitey yeah. Yeah, it's good. I actually really do like that song, but um, gotta love a good rumba scene. We love the rumba. Uh, it's, I still want one. But um, did I tell you we talked about the fact that there's a place nearby mine at the moment where they've got an automatic uh, lawnmower? We talked about that before, probably. Oh have. no, that sounds so, good like, though. You're driving like around the corner and you go past this house and you see this little thing going up and down a lawn. You're like, what the fuck is that? And it's an automatic lawnmower. It's like okay, there you go. Good on you. But um. I love, like, one thing I love about this scene is just Aaron Paul. Like, I love just the way we focus on his face. And it's like, I just love the camera work where you just see this breakdown of him. And just the way, what does he say? Like, you know, I could have killed you, basically. And he's kind of, like, grabbing his neck and just sort of just doing all that. And again... It's a guy with no acting lessons, no anything, you know, look him up on the price is right. Um, you know, just like see him. It's just it's such an incredible scene. And even like Walt, like giving him a bit of a shoulder massage, you know, going Jeff Probst, Brandon Hance here, like good on him. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's such a such a great scene. It's probably my favorite scene of the episode, really. Just like I just I just love just Aaron Paul here, how he's able to do this so good. Yeah, I mean, and, and just it's so commonplace now, you almost don't you know you don't even register just how good this is right um and and that's what aaron paul has done he's just turned this into just such a believable character that you know he just pulls the stuff off on almost a weekly basis and it's so good um we then kind of head over to mike's place and and um you know mike's kind of chilling on and his lazy boy um <laughs> and um you know with a beer and and um you know checking on on his um, bandages and we see kind of blood kind of coming through the bandage. So yeah, it's kind of like, it's very kind of, you know, we think of Mike has been this badass, which we're going to obviously see in this episode, but um, this, you kind of see him in his slippers being kind of old man Mike as well at times. And and so, yeah, I think it, it's quite nice to kind of see that other side and just reminding you that he is still this, you know, this older guy and um, basically Walt and Jesse come over and they have a proposition that they want to get back into the industry and they want to start cooking again. And, and they, you know, they need Mike, they'd like him to be there 
kind of partner for security and business reasons. And um, Mike just says, no, he's just not interested, you know, he just kind of shuts him down straight away. And, um, you know, Walt kind of says, we're moving forwards regardless, but, you know, I kind of want you to be involved. But, but Mike's pretty adamant at this point that it's going to be a no. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to change as the episode goes on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's pretty, pretty adamant in this moment that it's definitely not going to happen. Which he's watching, Mike is watching the Kane mutiny. I, I didn't recognise what it was, but I knew it would tell me on, on Breaking <laughs> yeah, Bad Wiki. And again, they don't disappoint. Um, but yeah, I kind of like, again, sort of Jesse being almost the mediator between these two. Because you can just tell Mike doesn't give a shit at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I actually really like the, the sequence where he actually where he shakes his hand. Because I always think that Mike yeah. just walks off. I always forget that he actually does shake his hand. So... Um, which is sort of, which is interesting and like, because it's going to play a part obviously in this episode, the way Walt assumes he's going to come back to him, which spoiler alert, he does. So um, yeah, it's it's just a nice little setup scene really. Mm, yeah. 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 And um, then we kind of head to the DEA offices and we've kind of got these um, these German guys from Madrigal have kind of flown in to, to meet with the DEA and, and talk about, um, you know, obviously um, Herr Schuller and his relationship with them. Um, and because one of the things I think we, d- we didn't point out in that, well, I didn't point out in that opening scene was that obviously um, Schuller kind of looks at that that photo of him and Gus. So obviously we've got that connection straight away. And, and these guys want to, you know, come here and say that, you know, while they're, while they're shocked about, about how he died, they you know, beside themselves that he was in what he was involved in and that you know they kind of pledged full cooperation to the DEA and, and want to make sure that he was kind of like a, I guess like a rogue agent right that he was kind of on his own um, and obviously kind of these guys you know it's not just the Germans we obviously see the, the Americans as well and, and this is where we kind of get our first uh, glimpse of Lydia you know so she's at the table as one of the executives who's here this kind of long table kind of meeting with, with the DEA agents um, and yes yeah, so I think at the kind of like good setup I guess um, and um, then it kind of you know we, we kind of move out of that scene and into kind of um, um, Hank and, and Gomi kind of meeting with um, with um, Merkit I always forget his name um, yeah, it kind too. of comes and goes a little bit too but obviously kind of what we get here is that you know he's making this point that you know he had missed this whole connection with Gus because he was too close to him as a friend and you know had, had that kind of personal relationship and so he's kind of been more or less pushed out of the of the DEA because he managed to miss this stuff um, we get a few other bits of, of information here too like you know that the laptop was encrypted so you know what was not to know that but the chances that they would have gotten anything from it are so low that you know the whole the whole kind of magnet thing was probably unnecessary but obviously they didn't know that um yeah and and i think kind of we get this this kind of good scene at the end where Merkit's kind of reflecting on how did he manage to miss this guy that was right under his nose which you know is obviously you know really really important for the kind of hank character who is doing exactly the same thing he is missing what's happening with walt who's right under his nose and um yeah i mean i, I think it's just like a really really important kind of just a, a reminder to you if you if you do kind of forget that as an audience that actually, you know, Hank's, you know, on this case, but he is missing that, you know, somebody who is incredibly close to him is actually the person he's chasing. So I think that's that's kind of the, the real point of the scene, I think, is to just kind of hammer that home and remind the audience of that fact. And we also have Hank without a crutch for the first time, right? Yes, who, yes, um, we do, yeah. He's struggling a lot more than he was last week with the crutch, so, um, <laughs> you know. But I love the way they do this scene where they're in the boardroom table and you've just got that reveal where you've kind of got them all sort of the camera sort of zoom. Well, not zooms out, just pans across the table and you see them and you kind of you see Lydia. I, I love this lawyer guy who kind of like steps in at one point with this guy and is like, you know, in German, like allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of, you know, such a such a lawyer thing. You know, and I know that's the the great word we always have to use in journalism when you're doing a story. It's like allegedly, uh, great word. Um, but ah, oh, Lydia, like even when she's sitting there, not saying anything, shuffling in a seat, like just being Lydia. I don't know. Like I just, I mean, the actress was it Laura Fraser. She's a great actress. She she makes this character so believable, and apparently she's Scottish. Which, yeah, I go. didn't know that. Yeah, does a good job with the American accent, but um, we'll talk about her more obviously soon. But I don't know. Even just in this scene, she kind of annoys me. But um, yeah, like I, I like kind of just this. Yeah, as you're saying, this whole setup of right under your nose, and I love kind of like Hanky, like they're all just chilling, having some scotch, basically just pouring it around in their like coffee mugs and that sort of stuff. And 
everything. But like, what, what does um, Mirkit say? Something like, I had him over my house, you know, still keep that little packet in my fish that I'm cooking or something like that on the barbecue yeah. and right under our nose. But, um, yeah, like it's a good little, I don't know, foreshadowing sort of yeah. scene. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so obviously then we kind of get into our, our, our proper kind of introduction to Lydia in this next scene where kind of Mike's at a diner and, and she kind of comes to meet him there and she's kind of got the whole kind of glasses and, and you know, big trench coat on and, you know, like, like she's out of a spy movie and, and you know, trying to, and they kind of sit back to back as opposed to sitting at the same table and, and he just kind of rolls his eyes at this whole thing and, you know, the wait, waitress comes to take an order and she's got this whole elaborate, you know, she wants tea but, you know, has to be Earl Grey or not Earl Grey, whatever the hell it is and, you know, that's where you're <laughs> Line at the start, we've got Lipton's. That's all we've got. So, ends up taking a you know, taking a water with with lemon, and that's it. She's brought her own stevia. And, yeah. So, I mean, immediately we kind of get into this character as like a control freak, and yeah, in, incredibly wound up. And I think probably that's the thing about if you can kind of enjoy that aspect of the Lydia character that she's just this kind of wound up kind of you know like completely paranoid type character I think you can really enjoy it but I think if you're annoyed by that and I think probably quite a few people are annoyed by that is that Lydia just gets under your skin and is, is hard to watch um, I personally I really like the Lydia character I think it's kind of necessary for this end of the show is that actually it's this kind of like just different element to the show it's, you know I think kind of you could have easily come in with some other kind of like you've had Tuco and then you've had Gus you could have easily come in with another kind of drug kingpin in the same mode you know and and just been another obstacle for for walt to overcome but i think she's this like this really unique kind of different type of personality that i think really kind of just makes season five a little bit different so i i really enjoy her i think like to me i just find it quite funny and i think we kind of talk you know maybe in the kind of season four wrap-up that she kind of reminds me of like the kind of um eliza from survivor you know they're kind of like really paranoid kind of wound up um and obviously kind of looks a bit like eliza as well so that's what kind of reminds me of, of her but um anyway we kind of get this whole thing of um Basically, um, Lydia is um, wanting Mike to basically take out the list of 11 men that were kind of on Gus's payroll and um, you know, he wants, wants Mike to kill them before that they can they can kind of turn on her or Mike as being involved in this kind of um, this drug industry where, where she's been a part of. Um, and you know, Mike says that you know, they're, they're, these guys are being paid at, you know, like under the table basically to, to be silent and 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 keep part of that, that that's the whole thing and he's handpicked them so he's not going to be not going to be shooting them so um yeah i mean it just this kind of again it's more set up i think that's a, the word we're using a lot in this episode but obviously it, it is a big setup episode um but yeah i think it kind of just sets the table there you know lydia is somebody who wants problems to go away and she'll do anything she needs to do to make those problems go away um and that will entail her getting into situations where she acts quite rashly because of it so yeah i think it's um, it's a, I think it's a very effective introduction to this character, whether you like her or not. I the thing I like about this scene is I just kind of like you know, the whole back to back situation. Mike just sits in front, her like lambusting this waitress who just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I love when shows up with the thing and she's like, "Oh, Jimmy, I haven't seen you in a while." And this waitress is just like, "Do you want anything more, Mike?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I just uh, that bit I do laugh at. And the whole take your glasses off. I feel like I'm speaking to like Jackie Anassis or whatever it is. But um, yeah, it is all the setup. But it's just uh, like I get exactly what you're saying. I think it is a unique character to have different to Tuco, different to Gas. Sort of, you know, technically she's the big bad in some weird way of this season if we're not ever going to consider Walter's the big bad. But like I just don't get her. I don't get point of her like I, I remember she's in better call soul a few times but how is she this wound up and so fidgety and so whatever how is she involved in this how like why would yeah. you choose someone like this because then like here you've just got her like on oh, all these are 11 people we're gonna kill them and it's just kind of like and then we're gonna see that she's gonna try and kill them no matter what so, like i just i don't get who she is or why she's involved and why you would gus is so meticulous and so like to me, this isn't a hire of Gus. I don't get it, and that is where I get confused by her. I think again, Laura Fraser does a great job of selling this character. This is nothing. It's like it's it's a role of an actor or an actress to make you like or hate a character. And if I'm ever on the side of hating a character like this, and it's because the actress is doing a great job. It's like Rose from Star Wars. I don't hate Kelly Marie Tran. I just don't like the character. She fucking annoys me. 
You know, if you hate Jar Jar Binks, don't hate Armored Best. He's doing his best, pun intended, to, you know, <laughs> sell that character a certain way. And so, like, Laura Fry, but like, just this character just, again, like, there, there'll be definitely times I'm like, okay, like, I see what they're doing there. I, I get it. But, like, ah, uh, like... I don't know. Just well, something about this annoys I, me. <laughs> I think it probably speaks to something that's maybe not entirely well shown on the show, which is that methylamine is hard to get hold of. You know, I think it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to get hold of this thing because it's a precursor for making meth. And so I think actually, in some ways, Gus maybe didn't have too many options. You know, he had to kind of go with the people that were able to provide him with that, even if there were some risks associated with that. Um, and, you know, maybe that you know, the whole thing is just that methylamine is a product that that Walt has brought to the table. So maybe Gus himself wouldn't have taken that risk if it was just him involved. So there's probably some stuff that's not maybe showing on the show and, and and that's maybe a criticism you can you can level at the show is that actually if you want to make this character work entirely you kind of have to explain that stuff so I think it's probably a fair criticism and I think when we get to the end we can kind of talk about did this work once we've seen the whole of season five you know when we get to the end of her story arc did it work for us did it not work for us um but you know in episode to episode I'm kind of enjoying her at the moment but I think it's definitely something we should talk about later on yeah, I agree. And I, I think um, Colin, hello, Colin. I think he loves Lydia from memory. I had a brief <laughs> conversation. and like, But, like, that doesn't surprise me because, to me, this is a character that I feel that Colin would like. <laughs> so, like I, I think that's why I asked him at one point, like, what do you think of Lydia? And I think he's like, oh, I love Lydia. So, you know, uh, please message in Colin if you if – you, I'm misquoting you, but from memory I'm pretty sure you said you love Lydia. So, um, of course you would. <laughs> it's like his love for Marie. I think he's got a got a bit of a type maybe going on. We haven't um, seen Marie in the last episode of this episode. No. We haven't seen Marie at all. No, Where's Marie? Pretty, Hashtag bring back quiet. Marie. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, so kind of then um, we have this kind of little scene here, which is kind of at the, the, the white um, breakfast table. We haven't seen a, a breakfast scene for a little while and, um, you know, kind of see uh, Walt Jr. go off to school and, and um, Skylar's still in bed and, Walt goes to wake her up, and and um, yeah, she's obviously um, yeah not, not particularly feeling great. Um, you know, she has a shower and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we, we can see that she's you know Skylar's definitely not herself at this moment. So yeah, I think that's just something we, we're going to follow over the next few episodes. Um, then we move into what I think is probably the best scene of of the uh, the episode, which is the kind of Mike Hank. Um, yeah, Mike and Hank. Sorry, um, the the kind of interrogation, questioning scene, and and Gomi's there too. Sorry, I shouldn't short short change Gomi, of course. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's um, th- this is a great scene. It obviously starts with you know kind of um, Mike walks into into DEA, and, and we see kind of Chow there at the other you know the other side, having having already been interrogated, um, and um, yeah, and, and and basically you can see that Chow's pretty nervous. Um, I love this kind of um, almost like um, Saul esque tie he's got here, which is kind of like an American flag, yeah, like type American tie. flag sort of thing yeah, going on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and so anyway, we kind of get what I. What, this is the first scene, obviously, between um, Hank and Mike. So obviously, these are two characters that we've seen a lot of, but we've never seen them interact with each other before. So that it's quite interesting to kind of see this for the first time. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun scene where they're basically just trying to get information out of him about what his involvement was with with Gus, and and basically he's he's very tight lipped about the whole thing and says that you know he was providing kind of you know kind of corporate security for for Gus, and um, yeah, and 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 basically you know he's not giving any information or way you know not prepared to kind of tell them too much um and we get the whole thing of, you know um what am i it basically puts his hands on the table at one point and says i'm well i'm either under arrest or i'm not and um as he goes to leave this is where they kind of drop the bomb that you know they've found these kind of um these overseas bank accounts and ones in, in um, Kaylee's name, which um, obviously is, is where Mike's money has been funneled, um, you know, into a, in an account that's in Kaylee's name. Um, and, and you know, you think that that this might elicit some kind of reaction from Mike, but it, it doesn't. He's still, you know, although he must be absolutely like panicking or fuming, you know, underneath the skin, he's, he's able to kind of compose himself and say, I know nothing about that. And what we find is that he's actually the one who hasn't touched that bank account. So he's not implicated as much as, as the others who have touched that bank account. So um, while it's in his granddaughter's name, there's, that, there's actually no proof beyond that that it was for him. You know, like it seems obvious, and especially given his surname, but um, 
they actually don't have the evidence really to uh, to be able to to kind of crack him for this. So um, yeah, I think it's just like a great scene between these two, this kind of with the three, I suppose, kind of sparring off each other. But it's really a kind of Hank Mike scene, and yeah, I, I think it's just a really good scene. Lots of good information dropped here in a, a kind of entertaining way with you know a, a reasonable amount of tension behind it too. One thing I love about the Chow actor is it kind of just this. Uh, I don't say dishevelled look, like just the way he's kind of he looks, yeah. like he just kind of looks like. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's got a he's got a look about him which kind of works. And I love how he's like he's also got like an American flag lapel pin. Like, uh, is he just kind of like trying to show that he goes into like a government office and he loves America? <laughs> like, you know, I've got my American tie, I've got my American lapel pin. Like, you know, gonna yeah. start listening to some Bruce Springsteen, eating some McDonald's. Yeah. You know, uh, I love how he just goes a light of smoke in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> But you can't smoke here, Chow. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I love this scene too, and it's always good to have a Hank badass scene in a sort of an interrogation room. And but just you know, Mike is so well versed in this because obviously being a former cop, he knows how it works. Um, I like kind of when they question him about like his gun and like, do you have a permit for that or whatever? And he, what does he say? Like, oh, it's probably easier to tell you permits. I don't. What states yeah. I don't have a permit in for. Um, which is just, it's like interesting. I love how they that question about Colorado and it's like, oh, I don't need to have a license practicing in Colorado. Uh, but yeah, like just even that look that he has as he walks out of the room when he's kind of, he's a bit rattled, but like he's not letting on that he's rattled. Like he's just really good. Um, and just, yeah, like that cocky nature that kind of Hank and Gomi kind of have, like we've got you. Like I think that Dean Norris just, again, always deserves more credit for what he does. Like time of recording this, um, I don't think we mentioned this since the last time you and I recorded, but uh, Noah and I, uh, through our Lost coverage, just did the episode of Lost in which Dean Norris is in. And so wasted in it. Like, he's just... That was during Breaking Bad as well. Like, this wasn't pre-Breaking Bad. He was filming that episode of Lost while he was doing Breaking Bad. He's, like, in it for, like, two scenes, and it's wasted. It's such a terrible character. And you're like, oh, my God, like, that's freaking Dean Norris. What are you doing with this guy? Mind you, he did go on to be an Under the Dome. Let's talk about that. But... Uh, <laughs> He's just so good, just the way he kind of has this little smirk he has in his face, like every single time that Mike gives him an answer that he thinks Mike's one, but then he's just kind of like, you know, oh, Philly, like a uh, city of brotherly love. Like, oh, we spoke to you, your colleagues over there. You, do you want to talk about that? And Mike's like, oh, I'd rather not. Like just kind of the way he looks to Gomi and kind of bounce them back off each other, just so good. Just Dean Norris is great. How did he never win an Emmy for this show? But, um, yeah, it is a great scene. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, and I think it's kind of that, that whole thing too about, you know, there is a backstory to Mike that, um, we, we, you know, spoiler alert, we find out about it in, in Better Call Saul as opposed to Breaking Bad. But, um, it, you know, I, I always like when you, you know there's a backstory to somebody, but you're not necessarily told about it because you don't yeah. need to know. Um, I, I do quite like that, you know, that it, not everything needs to be told to you. And, and um, this is this is one of those instances where you just, you, you know, all you need to know is there has been, a, you know, kind of an incident or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, great setup. Um, and, and obviously it's the thing that's, that's going to, um, you know, bring Mike back into this world that potentially he was, not wanting to be a part of um so, so yeah then we we kind of move into into saul's office and we've kind of got um walton jesse and they're, they're kind of talking about how to find a, a new lab basically and um you know um walt doesn't want to do the whole rv thing again because there's not enough space um and and yeah they're, they're trying to find a they're basically they're saying like finding like another an, another space like what gus had is not going to be easy and and what's kind of like well if gus could do it we can do it type of thing um and um, jesse also says that he's able to find all the ingredients that they need except the methylamine that's the one that's going to be a little bit a little bit difficult to find um and and yeah and, and then you kind of get this whole thing of, of kind of um Saul kind of saying, you know, like when somebody wins the lottery, the thing they don't do the next day is go and buy another ticket. You know, they kind of walk away into the sunset and why don't you do that? And and this is where we get the whole thing of, of Walt saying, well, that's because I'm broke. You know, like I don't have the, you know, I don't have the money I need to make more money. Um, so, so yeah, it's um, it's really, I think, important to, to really kind of set the, the kind of um, motivations, I guess, for Walt moving forward. So I think that is really important to just re-emphasize and always keep reminding people exactly why he's still in this business. Yeah, and I think because, uh, you know, you kind of could be easily just be complacent about like, well, this is all over with. Why? Does, yeah, as you said, like, why does he need to keep doing this? He can just walk away from it. But, um, 
you know, I think it's kind of important that we do have that sort of, you know, that he's broke silence. Because, like, again, that would be something that I guess people would complain about because we know at the end of last season that all his money's gone. That's why he couldn't go into witness protection or whatever it was, right? So it's kind yep. of, yeah. But I I, I just kind of like this scene. I, like, um, what does Jesse call it? The Crystal Palace or the Crystal Ship or something like that or and kind of yeah. questions like that. And it's like, oh, you know, good memories, but, you know, it's not this. And, and, and what is like, well, like, oh, I'm not driving like 50 miles to get somewhere and do all this and do all that. And just, I kind of like, because again, it sort of, it sets up. And, and like, I love, without spoiling what we're going to see next week, like, I, I love this thing that they come up with. I think it's fantastic. Like, it's, it's weirdly clever. And again, something that maybe is a bit out of the realms of realism, but I think it's great. Like, it kind of, it, it works really, really well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. I kind of like the setup. And again, Sol, still wearing the ribbon. <laughs> yeah, um, we're, we're back with Mike, and he's playing Hungry Hungry Hippos with with Kaylee as as one does. Um, and I love that we Did see you ever play that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, back in the day, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I wasn't very good at it, but I just ate the little marbles <laughs> myself because I was hungry, hungry men. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you put some uh, kick ass Cajun on them though? That's the question. No, I went for the mesquite smoky barbecue, Nick. Come on, mm, France. Um, <laughs> but um, I love the kind of like the little the little kind of detail there that you do see that kind of pig the, the, the pig toy <laughs> on the on pig. the ground, which is which is great. I do love that. Um, and, you know, while he's playing, he kind of gets a call from from Chow saying that he needs to talk to him. And I just just wanted to point out like a um, little bit of continuity that I think is you know a good bit of paying attention to detail that the show does is that Chow's making this phone call and you actually see the kind of bullet wound on his hand, um, so, which I think is really good because obviously, you know, like Mike shot him through the hand at the end of last season. So, um, so yeah, not end of last season, season before that. Um, so I think it's kind of good to kind of, you know, um, that they haven't forgotten that, that we've kind of get that wound, which I think is really good. Um, but anyway, and yes, it's a Chow kind of um, says he wants to talk to him in person, um, you know, about everything that's going on and, and um and Mike says, "Oh, he'll be there in an hour or two hours or whatever." He says, and um, and you know, as as Chow hangs up, this is where we see that uh, that one of these other kind of um, business associates is is kind of uh, is kind of watching and, and has kind of um, forced Chow to make that phone call. Yeah, um, I'm just watching this right now. The pig, and I didn't realize that Kaylee in the background is playing with the pig. Um, mm. What is this pig? <laughs> I guess I, I love like a this pig. Toy, but... Like a pool toy, like a like a pool string toy type thing, right? Is it, is it meant to be Peppa Pig or, you know, like, I mean. It must uh, be a bit early for Peppa Pig, I think, right? Just, yeah, it's just, a, just generic pig. Yeah. <laughs> the Oz Network discusses the pigs of Breaking Bad, the episode <laughs> that's exclusive to our Patreon. Sign up now. We get to the bottom of the pig. Well, we had, we had we Imagine. had chickens last week, and now we've yeah. got pigs, so uh, we're moving our way through farmyard animals. So, to be honest um, with you, I just I just I just wanted to hear you say pig in your accent. That's that's the only reason why I kept trying to talk a little bit. But I, like, I love that look that um yeah Mike has on his face, where like you kind of like he can sort of tell. And obviously, we're about to get to this scene where he knows um that kind of something's up. But this is uh the return. Remember last season we were questioning who that extra goon was of Gus's, and we're like, who is that extra guy? Who is he? This is Chris right. Mara. The esteemed right. Chris, he's back. He's uh, back. So there he is. We've been waiting to see the resolution to Chris. Here he is, you know. Glad we're going to get to this great, you know, retconning of the, the life and death, literally, of Chris. I wonder if he's any relation to Kate Mara. Oh, what a lucky man that would be. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so anyway, um, yeah, Mike Mike comes around to to Chow's house and 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 Chris is there and and kind of sees Mike pull up and puts the, the gun barrel across the kind of um, you know the, the the peephole on the door and um, you know nothing happens and so he kind of looks through it and sees this pig that's been you know Mike's put the pig outside and and yeah you know, so that's kind of distracted him enough for Mike to kind of come and you know through another entrance in the house and kind of sneak up behind him and and basically you know, has the gun at him and points it at him and says, you know, drop the gun and, and sit down. And I, I love this kind of framing of the shot where you kind of see them sit down in these chairs facing each other and it kind of pans out and you kind of see, you know, um, Chow's dead body like sitting on the on the couch in between them, which I think is just a good way to kind of frame the shot. And, um, yeah, it, it basically kind of, he says, you know, what, what did Lydia offer? And I think, what did he say? So it's 3,000 to kill Mike, oh, sorry, 30,000 to kill Mike and then 10 for everybody, for each of the others. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, I think you kind of get the smile where Mike's was like, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? And then, you know, before Chris can even say anything, he just shoots him. So yeah, it's a pretty kind of 
kind of quick ending for this character really um and um yeah i think kind of like one of the things i kind of like about this is you kind of see a little bit of kind of the the humanity of mike even in these moments he's kind of um doesn't really want to do this and and um you kind of see him kind of go up and and close the eyes and that kind of stuff so yeah i think it's just kind of like just a reminder of of of, you know mike's a a a badass but um you know he's still a a human being and, and that's probably what makes him different from from walt you know walt's become this kind of like you know this this despicable human being as the show goes on whereas mike is still somebody that we like because he you know there, there is still a very much a likable part about who he is he was uh still a cop right so he's got that coppiness yeah. about him um i love the bit when he's walking up to the the stairs and we're seeing through the peephole we see a random little kitty cat there it is just chilling in the yard just uh where's the wikipedia page on random cat in front yard you know oh, don't but um i'll come up with one oh yeah god all the listeners of this show are getting all the ideas from that um i i yeah i love this sequence and it's it you know what it reminds me of it's that what was the martin scorsese netflix movie with robert de niro and it went for about oh, 80 Irishman. hours yeah yeah um, I think I'm still watching it, uh, trying to catch it. But I remember when we covered that for our Oscars month the other year that Nick, uh, your Nick, Colin and I talked a lot about sort of the realism of the shootings, how it kind of like it's sort of just the shock factor and how it kind of just comes out. Like there's not this whole drawn like uh, This scene reminds me of that, the way he just kind of kills him. Just, just sort of, it's not this drawn out nature of putting a gun to his head and I'm going to kill you now. Like even the way he just says, like, "Are you ready?" And then Chris is like, "Oh, blah blah," and he says, "Poop, poop, 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 poop." A couple of shots, boom, dead. Like it's sort of just, it. I've never seen someone get shot, but like, I mean, I can imagine that this is similar. Like it just kind of something that just feels real to me. But I, I kind of do like the way yeah, Mike is sort of getting the information, and I'm with you. I like the framing of the shot. Poor old Chow's brains are everywhere. So, um, you know. Rest in peace, Chow. We, we yeah. knew you too little. Two, three, two, three episodes, not a lot. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah Where's his assistant get... with the shoes? Is she okay? We check in on her? <laughs> she says she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to do the accent and the words, but, yeah, she's fine. Yeah, yeah let's not go there. Um, yeah, and, and then we're kind of we're at Lydia's house, which um, the – is it the – Nice house. My book, my book that I've got, all the all the notes on the website tell me that this is actually in uh, Houston. So we're, oh. we're in Texas now. So we're not we're not in um, Albuquerque, which I just assumed from watching it. But, um, yeah, it's basically that this is – yeah. Um, this is Houston, I believe. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just trying Which to is, find is, where, is it where meant I read to be that, set but, um, in Houston, or is it just filmed in Houston? No, no, I think it's supposed to be set in Houston. I think that she's supposed to be, you know, you know, because I, I guess Madrigal is probably a, a reasonably big company and wouldn't necessarily be set up in Albuquerque as such. It's kind of, you know, probably um, somewhere like Houston makes a bit more sense, I suppose. Ah, so okay, so according to Breaking Bad Wiki. Address, Houston, Texas. Real life address. It is actually in Albuquerque. Right, real life okay. address. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a bit of a bit of a travel there. But, you know, Mike on a road trip. Does he fly? Does like what? Yeah. How does Mike get there? Well, we know it's four hours. Oh, no, it's four hours to, to El Paso. So I'm not sure what the difference between El Paso and I'll find and- out for you, Nick, while you talk. There you go. Right. I'll yeah. And so anyway, we kind of get this, this scene at, at um, Lydia's apartment, and and you know gets home and and uh, to see her daughter and and um, the, the nanny, and um, you know kind of um, she doesn't suspect that kind of Mike is actually there waiting to kind of capture her, and, and we kind of get this whole scene basically where uh, you know. Um, yeah, Mike has, has kind of put a gun to her head, and and um, she's kind of you know begging for for him you know, to leave her body somewhere so that she so that her daughter doesn't think that she's run away, that she kind of knows what's happened, um, and um, yeah, and and then basically um, he he kind of says to her, can she still get access to to methylamine? Um, so yeah, this this kind of gives us our inkling that he is going to get back in the business with with um, Walt and Jesse here, but um, yeah, I mean it's. Um, it's kind of a weird scene. I found this one a bit hard to kind of recap because it's basically just like Lydia kind of yabbering, you know, like endlessly, and um, and it's not particularly well lit, and you know, it's quite a hard scene to kind of um, really kind of um, digest. I think it's it, it's probably just making the point that actually, you know, she's going to serve a purpose here, but she's going to be hard work, you know, like because she's not particularly. Um, cool calm and collected so yeah she's she's going to be a difficult part of this business relationship moving forwards i think is probably what we're, we're expected to kind of get out of this 
Which again is where maybe I just find her annoying because it's kind of like, well, God, we got to deal with her more and kind of all that sort of yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the one thing I will say I like agree with her in a weird way is when she's like yelling at him basically and he's just like, be quiet, be quiet. And she's like, no, I'm not going to be like at the end of the day, if I've got someone pointing a gun at my head and they're like telling me to be quiet, well, what are you going to do? You're about to kill me. So like, you know, what's the worst that you can fucking do to me? Like, no, I'm not going to be quiet. So yeah, uh, it's. I'm kind of with you. It's just like, eh, you know, sure, it's there, and I don't really have a whole lot to add. I'm just quickly, I'll add that uh, it is a 12-hour and 41-minute drive from Albuquerque to Houston. So, wow. Yeah. So they, yeah Dallas so Dallas drive. is closer, so you may as well go to Dallas instead. Wow. Yep. <laughs> the well, facts you, you learn on the Oz Network. Maybe, maybe Planning a flew. road trip. <laughs> maybe maybe you flew. We'll, we'll never know. But, um, yeah, and, and, and so basically, yeah, again, like we'll use the S-word again. It's another bit of setup, isn't it, for, for what's going to happen moving forwards. It's a um, two-hour, ten-minute flight. Sorry to interrupt you there. A non-stop. There are four to six flights a day. There you go. Uh, I, I so, yeah, two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, got to be. Not that far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know he loves a good road trip, and he's just come back from Mexico, so he's probably a bit sick of driving. So, yeah. um, three hundred and five dollars if you want to catch a flight from Albuquerque, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Houston. Shall we book one, Nick? While we're here, <laughs> Google Flights. What are they telling us? <laughs> Go for a road trip to see the um, the isotopes play. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, and then we kind of just end with this kind of um, quite simple scene, really, where um, we're basically. Um, um, Walt comes home and he kind of washes the dishes and um, and then kind of you know gets into bed with, with Skylar and, and um, yeah she's been kind of very non-responsive and and you know doesn't doesn't want to kind of interact with him at all and yeah just just further kind of cementing the the um, you know like the, the mindset of of who she is at the moment so so yeah I think it's just again more setup more preparing us for what's coming next but um, yeah that, and that's the end of our episode. She, I mean, she looks scared, disgusted, yeah. all that kind of things with it. And, like, is it wrong that I'm just thinking this is, like, fucking end of episode one pilot that he's about to, like, just get with her all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably shouldn't think about that. That's probably wrong. But, um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, they're in bed together. It's kind of we've had two episodes in a row have just basically ended on this sort of way. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that kind of brings us to uh, to the end of the episode. Is there is there anything within the um, the trivia that you wanted to bring up? I think kind of oh. captured the the big one there, which was around the uh, the whole uh, Houston thing. Um, was there something that I saw? Um, yeah, the, well, this is the last episode that we ever see of Meerkat, so we never see him again after this episode. Apparently, according to this. Um, one of the fast food restaurants seen at the Magical Offices is called Burgermatic, yes, we know, which is a reference to the film written by Vince Gilligan, Home Fries, which also featured the burger chain. Yummy. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the one that was probably quite interesting to me is that when Walt and Jesse sit down with Mike in his kitchen, there's a drawing made of Kaylee um, which says blue is good, uh, which I think is, hmm. is quite a fun little kind of um, tidbit that's you know, not particularly important, but it's, a, it's kind of, uh, yeah, interesting all the same. Yeah. Um, no, there's nothing else super interesting, really, to be honest. So, um, yeah, we can we can. I'm just looking here at the word fran- French has its own page on Breaking Bad Wiki. Of course, it does. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> well, um, I think it's kind of like we. Um, one thing that's quite interesting, and it kind of talks about it in the in the trivia, is that this is the last episode that that Merka George Merka is, and and I think it's you know like we talked last episode about uh, Ted. You know, that was the last episode for him, and I think we're starting to close out some of these minor characters, and you know they have they have little kind of um, you know kind of story arcs, but I, I think probably. That is sensible as we kind of move towards the end of the show. Is you don't want too many of these kind of minor characters kind of lurking around without you know any good reason to be there. So I think they're kind of starting to shrink the cast, you know, the supporting cast a little bit, um, which I think it makes sense to me. You know. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I just sorry, I'm, just, I'm looking here on the IMDb trivia. A few different ones. Apparently, the magical building was a really a, a recently built high school that had not been opened yet. Yeah, it looks like a high school, yeah. Fun fact for you there. Uh, Jesse refers to the RV as a crystal ship. This is also the name of the magazine Malcolm's High School publishes in Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, There you go. Um, And, okay, here we go. The Wiggly Pig toy that Mike uses to distract Chris is first seen in the Better Call Soul episode Amarillo. So, look out for that on our our Better Call Soul rewatch when we eventually get there. So there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 the, the closing up of the characters, like, it's good that they do give them sort of a, an ending in a weird way. Uh, cause it's like, it's, it, 
you know, it's all well and good to have a minor character. You know, you don't always have to close them off. Going back to your point about how everyone doesn't need a backstory, you know, it's fine. The minor character comes and goes and doesn't need anything. But um, I don't know. Ted had a sad, sadly, a bit of an impact on this show. And I guess Meerkat is the boss of Hank. So, because um, don't we get a line about something to do with him anyway? Like, I feel we get something more with him, but we don't see him. Or am I making that up? Um, well, yeah, I think we get a little bit of stuff in, in a couple of episodes, which kind of, yeah, yeah is, is, yeah, kind of, kind of important, but, um, we'll try yeah. and remember that. Um, I, I'm just thinking, can't we bring some of our favorite characters back, like Carmen? What she didn't, she never oh. really got a send off. I think we should bring and Carmen our lawyer. Back. Where's our lawyer friend? Yeah. I miss my lawyer. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think that probably kind of, kind of wraps us up really and um, kind of moves us into rating and reviewing. And I, I think there was some level of tension about whether or not I was going to, you know, um, have a new, a new string here and um, I'll, I'll confirm it. It's, it's a buy for me. And Ooh, I think it's probably one of those, Wow, it's probably one of those episodes that you've talked about a, a few times of it being like, there's nothing wrong with this episode. It, it's not one that kind of stands out as being like, amazing and i think probably it's doing a lot of heavy lifting for some of those episodes down the road and so i I always do want to like you know like you know there's going to be some episodes toward the end of the show that everybody's going to rave about including us and and rightfully so but those episodes can't be great if there's not some heavy lifting setup done by other episodes earlier on and i think this is an episode that does that heavy lifting it's you know it's it's an enjoyable episode um there's nothing here that i'm that i'm bored with um you know like does it knock it out of the park no it's it's not it's not great which is why i've got it at 28 um so you know it's quite a long way down i guess on my list although i've got a lot of buys on, on my list um so we've got it kind of underneath cats in the bag which is probably quite a lo- quite low when i look at that one but um then i've got kind of like shotgun bullet points four days out i see you which were all similar to me like like fine episodes that were good um you, you know you're going to be entertained watching them but you're not going to be like sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time thinking it's amazing so yeah i'm, I'm really happy to give it a buy but without you know like absolutely raving about it either so 13 in a row now which is clearly a record record for you i mean i'm just looking here at your nip tuck ones you didn't come close to doing 13 in a row and nip tuck uh, what is our overall record? Is it my streak from Nip Tuck? Like, I, I can't be bothered counting all of those there. But uh, this is where I should be prepared for this in case you're going to break a record. So, um, <laughs> Nip Tuck, I did 18 buys in a row. Uh, but I feel third watch, I came close to that on a season, if I can quickly look there. Um, so, I'm just trying to think if you're going to get to 18 or not. That could be the record. Uh, third watch, no, 15 by the looks of things was my record there. I feel we've talked about this before. People who binge these episodes all together go, this makes no sense. You talked about this like three weeks ago. So anyway, you could be on a, a bit of a streak there. So I'm looking here. It looks like 18 is the record for any of our shows. Not even on Lost have we had that many in a row. So um, can Nick Chester break the 18 buys in a row set by Ben Waterworth on on Nip Tuck? Um, I'm breaking my streak. I'm renting this. Sorry. Um, I mean, you're right. There's nothing wrong with this episode. That is something that I sold a lot last season. But I think the, the difference to me is that, well, yes, there's nothing wrong with this episode. There's nothing outstanding in this episode to me where I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm not, what do I remember this episode as the introduction of Lydia, you know, sure. Like even like as much as I love the Jesse breakdown scene, like, Jesse's there and then he kind of disappears, doesn't he? Um, you know, it's heavy Mike episode, but I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't hate this episode. It's not going to be the worst episode, but it's just, it's not something that stands out massively to me. So, uh, Rent for me, I've got this in 40th. So, I've got this below Bit by a Dead Bee and just above Cancer Man. So, this is the fourth highest rent I have got on my list here. So... Yeah, that was going to be my question is where it kind of sits on your kind of rent scale. One, two, three, fourth highest rent. Yeah, there you go. Um, And the ringer has this at number 37 overall. So uh, for those playing at home who like to know where the ringer ranks things. I think the ringer and I will probably be similar again, as we talked about last week. I think once we get to the end of this, I think it might be fun to kind of line one up with the ringer. I think um, there's a, there's a couple of, of very obvious ones where we disagree. Um, Fly being one of them, but um, I think um, me and the ringer are, are probably starting to line up more than I may be expected. Well, so after bagging them out so much, I might have to be a little bit nicer about them. I'm going to be very fascinated then just, 
teasing you, throwing you a bit of a, a you know a free hit here to go into the segue for next week. Next week, according to the Ringer, is the worst episode of Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, they've got number sixty-two hazard pay as their worst episode. So there you go. Yeah, which which is interesting to me because I think again, probably uh, w- what might drag this episode a bit for some is that it is more set up. I think, um, but it, it, to me, I, I I quite enjoy it, and I I think kind of the ingenious nature of the kind of the the new way that these guys are going to cook is is worth kind of unpacking in a little bit of detail. Um, so I, I think there's definitely stuff to talk about that's interesting. Again, another important character we're going to get introduced to next week, and 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 Jesse, not Jesse. Um, Jesse, well, Jesse Clemens is the name of the actor. Yeah, is the yeah. name of the the actor. Um, Todd. Todd, sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think um, you know some some interesting stuff to to unpack there. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy. I think there's stuff to talk about. Um, whether or not I'm going to be renting or, or buying, um, or, or or binning, maybe. Um, you know, is up for debate. But I, I definitely. I, I think that's an odd call. I think um, when IFT and, and Fly are out there, that feels like yeah. a, a bit of an odd one. Yeah, no, I it is intriguing to kind of see that 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 is their lowest episode. But like, yeah, like I'm with you. Like as I mentioned before, I, I kind of I'm a big fan of their method of of cooking this season. I think it's clever and I think mm. it's unique. And there's actually like a really famous scene, and like it won't make our top five, but like it's a very I want to say parodied scene, The Simpsons. If you ever was it the couch gag that they did a Breaking Bad ripoff? It's kind of it's that scene with Jesse and Walt on the couch in the yellow suits right. drinking beer, watching TV. That's what The Simpsons did, kind of as that. So like it's a well sort of parodied scene, and I feel there've been some like um, Saturday Night Live sketches or something where they kind of parodied this or something along those lines. So no, I, I'm with you. I, I I love this setup in terms of like, and I know like I'm being a bit hypocritical that I'm not liking this episode because it's set up, but there's stuff I, in next week where I enjoy it. Like, I, yeah, I love that. And, and Todd is, to me, Todd is more important than Lydia. I think Todd leaves more of an impact on this show than Lydia does. Uh, and not just because it's Jesse Plemons, who is a pretty big fucking actor now. Um, hello to Colin if you're listening still, because I know he's a big Jesse Plemons fan. Um, so, and like, I actually like, I weirdly like the Todd character because there's just something about him which you just don't understand him and how he turns out to be like the way Jesse Plemons plays his character is almost Gus esque, but in a weird, different way. Like, it's kind of, it's interesting. So, and like, I think like if you, you were watching this for the first time, you meet Todd, you could never expect what Todd's going to turn out to be. If that makes sense. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I I don't think this is the worst episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Sorry, no, The Ringer. Uh, but uh, you're all entitled to your opinions, even if yours are wrong. <laughs> well, that is the um, the tagline of the Oz Network, isn't it, I think? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Anytime I'm on this show, it's like, oh, Ben's on it again. There he is. He likes well, to die another day. Well, I guess if you think our uh, our opinions are wrong, then you can always drop us a line and, and tell us. Um, we'll be more than happy to to talk to talk or to hear hear your opinion anyway. Um, but um, you you can catch us in uh, the usual spaces, be it Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever the hell we hang out. I don't know. I um I, I leave that side of the business. I, Not I, TikTok. I cook, I, I cook the drugs and and you do the business. So um, I so, eat the yeah. potato gems. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tater tots. Um, but, um, I feel like we but, need to target our American audience. The tater tots. But um, I would say that our, our output is just as addictive as meth. So um, if, if you like our Breaking <laughs> Bad, you, you'll probably like our Lost and um, and Twenty Four coverage as well. So uh, go and check that out. Um, probably the old movie recap in there as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, what go, we're doing at this point probably all dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably like you know the the like 93rd marvel movie that's come out this year or something like that so uh yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be there'll be something we've moved on to friends our friends coverage has finally started nick and i are loving putting it out it's great no no we haven't we definitely <laughs> have not but uh anyway un, un, until we come back um for hazard pay next week um which look forward to talking to you then uh my name's nick and uh my lasagna came out pretty well if i do say so myself my name is Ben and drink your hot water. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. 
And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.